today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. Mm. It's like, well, what, what can I do? Like, they'll pay if they can pay. Mm. But that is not the case. What if they don't give me any more work? But if this continues and they do give you more work, then that cash flow hole gets deeper and deeper and deeper every time. You're basically becoming their bank. Yeah, that's right. In fact, not a bank because a bank would charge interest. They're actually less likely to pay with every week that goes by. Your chance of getting paid actually goes down. One of the worst feelings as a business owner is not having enough cash to pay your bills on time. And your customers not paying you on time is a major cause of this problem. Tune into this week's podcast where we talk about how to get your customers to pay you on time. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where we'll help you turn your business into a money-making machine. We know you're busy, so we'll make it worth your time. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, time is money, and we're here to help you make more of both. So hit the follow button, and let's get started. To the podcast. To the podcast, indeed. It's Tony Fraser-Jones here, the host of the Profitable Tradie Podcast, hanging out with my uh, buddy Phil Smith in the studio. How are you this morning? Mate, I'm always good. Always. You are. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm really uh, curious when, how long we're going to keep to the podcast. I mean, it's, it's good, it's catchy, but I'm sort of, I just get this Batman vibe every time. It is. It's like uh, atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed. Let's go, Batman. I just, I can't get it out of my head. I, yeah. It's very Batman. Yeah, anyway. It's those, it's those marketing guys. We'll blame them. That's right. Good and Nephi. Nephi. Yeah. I think he fancies himself a bit of a Batman. I reckon he's a good Batman. Yeah, me too. You're more like a Robin. But anyway, um, what are we talking about today, Chief? (laughs) All right, the Penguin. Uh, We're talking about getting paid. Uh, So basically, you know, not getting paid will create a huge amount of stress, not just in your business, but also in your life. Uh, You can feel like a beggar asking for the crumbs. Uh, and it makes you feel weak and powerless. You know, chasing debts takes a huge amount of time, not to mention the financial costs, you know, interest, all the kinds of things that are going to accumulate uh, from a lack of the money that is yours being in your pocket. The money that you uh, have earned and deserve to be paid, mm, mm. not getting paid feels like theft to me. It does. Uh, and what it means is uh, you have to have conversations with your suppliers about not being able to pay them, which is uh, awkward, mm. uh, it feels terrible. Uh, and there's an interesting fact, uh, and we've had uh, credit control uh, companies present at many of our events, and uh, the thing is, once a person goes overdue, they're actually less likely to pay with every week that goes by. Your chance of getting paid actually goes down. Yeah. It's like catching a falling knife. <laughs> it gets harder as it gets lower. Yeah, well, I <laughs> heard to that. Catch I just, it right up the top. Yeah, right? I, just, I heard that the other day. I thought it was a good thing. I just Man, I've never heard it. that before. I was just trying to picture catching that falling knife and I was thinking, you know what? I must let it hit the ground. Like, That's right. I think <laughs> they use it when the when the share market's falling. And yeah, yeah. They anyway, do, yeah. whatever. Uh, but the go. thing is, most business owners think that uh, getting paid is largely outside their control. I get that sense, you know, with the people we help. Mm. It's like, well, what, what can I do? Like, they'll pay if they can pay. Mm. But that is not the case. No. Uh, and it's really important to take control of the situation. And, and you can. Yeah, and I bet you got a story to kick us off. I do have a story. This is about um, one of our favourite clients named Doug. He's a super good guy. He's got a good business, and uh, he's ex- expert at getting paid. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he does a lot of fixed price work and, and gets payment up front mm. on completion and agreement to payment. This is the thing. So he told a story about uh, you know going to a job uh, with an apprentice, and there's a water leak. Water's going all over this, you know, through the ceiling, and... Uh, the apprentice is like, what should I do first? I should go and turn the water off at the, at the mains. Mm. And Doug's like, no, that's not the first thing we do. What what would we do before that? Well, I don't know. The first thing we do is we tell the client 
what our terms of engagement are, how we work, and get agreement from them on how we're going to get paid. That's the first thing we do. Uh, and the apprentice is like, oh, that's a bit rough. Uh, Doug's, well, it's not rough because once we actually fix the job, there's no leverage left, you know, all the power sits with the client, not with us. So we need to get that sorted out up front. Yeah. And that's quite a mindset shift for a lot of people. Yeah, it definitely is. Definitely is. Um, and I think like it obviously highlights a couple of good points. So big thing is that we need to make sure that, you know, there's obviously steps that we can do after we, we are asking for the payment. But I think the big thing that Doug's story tells is that there are a lot of things that we can do before we even set down the track of trying to get paid which actually help us get paid in that instance. So It's that. the classic get agreement on payment details up front when you hold the power or the analogy that you know many people are familiar with. You, know, you don't want to be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. You want to stop people going over the cliff. Yeah, 100%. Because uh, there's a lot more damage when you go put them in the ambulance yeah. when they've fallen. <laughs> it's just stop them falling in the first stop place. Stop them right? falling in the first place. And so getting things tight up front is a big part of this. Yeah, and especially if we don't get paid on time, we're going to run into some pretty uh, pretty terrible problems. Yeah, look, it's one of the most stressful things in a business. I think chasing money and not having the money uh, and probably having to deal with difficult staff are the most important, you know, most stressful things, but it is massively stressful. Uh, and, you know, you have to juggle things. You've got to rob Peter to pay Paul because you're not getting paid. So it, it causes a lot of stress and a lot of extra work. Mm. You can run out of money as well. Like, if you're not getting paid, eventually you're going to run out of money. It means you can't pay your bills and it can send your business under, and this happens to businesses. Yeah. And it's very sad. I think the other thing, too, is it does make you stressed. You do feel like a bit of a beggar asking for crumbs, mm. and it does mess with your head. It's, it's just so stressful, and it feels unfair, but it's a reality sometimes. Yeah, yeah, big time. And on the other hand, if we do get paid on time, um, yeah, big upsides, right? Well, you don't have to chase money. Uh, you can focus on the things that count in your business. There are other things to improve it rather than just getting what you're owed. Uh, you're going to have you know, plenty of money. You can pay your bills. Your business will be on a solid foundation. And like I said, the stress levels are down. You can just focus on what's actually important, what, what you need. Well, getting paid is obviously important, but the stuff you really want to focus on. Because yep. when you get into business, you're not thinking about the fact that you're going to have a bunch of problems getting paid. You're thinking about getting work done and stuff. This is something that pops up for business owners until you're a business owner you really understand how stressful uh, it actually is yeah totally so I mean we need to be making sure we get that money and uh and getting those upside because uh we don't want to be in the reverse so how do we actually do it I think this is what everyone's waiting for yeah I, I think you touched on it the first thing is that uh this is a head game uh so most people need to toughen up uh don't be a pushover don't be a wallflower don't think that you're just dependent on the client to get paid. You can make a huge difference about whether you get paid or not. So you have to toughen up, uh, take responsibility, be more assertive, often be more aggressive to get what's owed to you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's going to come under that. I mean, people have a lot of head noise on this, right? They Things do. going through their, their mind. I mean, uh, big one that always comes up, what if they don't like me? I upset them, I ruin the relationship. They don't give me any more work. I mean, it's definitely a... You know, a thing that's going to be on your mind about toughening up, right? So how do we deal with that? It's tricky. Uh, and the first thing is if you are in a relationship with someone who doesn't treat you good, uh, that's an abusive relationship. So if you're in a relationship with a client who never pays you on time or strings you out longer or makes promises, you've got to question the relationship. It's actually an abusive relationship, mm. uh, which is not good for your business or your head. Uh, and 
the thing with this is often it's tied with uh, marketing too because you'll stick with a client who is effectively an abusive client because they won't pay you mm. because you need them and you need them more than they need you, yeah. which is a marketing problem because you don't have options. If you had plenty of other work that you could go and do, uh, you'd probably kiss them goodbye and you know, tell them to, where to go. So yeah. that, that's uh, important. In terms of toughening up, I think the squeaky wheel does get the oil. Uh, and that's huge. Uh, if you are actually in, you know, in people's, not in their faces in a you know really aggressive way necessarily, but if you make yourself known and you make your demands known, you are more likely to get paid than the person who doesn't. Mm. And the thing in these situations is, your client often has limited money. That's why they're not paying you. Yeah, like very few people are actually bad and evil and just don't want to pay. Well, they're not sitting out thinking, I can't wait to yeah, screw you over. That's right. right. They're, they're just they're probably not just very good. get the money together themselves. Yeah, they can't get the money together themselves. Yeah. Their business is not running very well. Yeah, I mean, if it was and they had heaps of surplus cash, they'd just pay you because you know, everyone wants to feel honest. So it's you know something that's quite normal. I think another thing is, you know, you say the squeaky wheel gets the oil, but I think the other thing is that the person who establishes boundaries and states what they want tends to get what they want and stay within those boundaries so i think the other thing is you've got to teach people in any relationship you've got to teach each other how to act in that relationship you know like even with your spouse or significant other like there are boundaries that you set and uh, things that you tell each other about you know how you want the relationship to go which is going to help you guys be in a better relationship and it's the same with friendships it's the same with employee relationships and it's the same with your clients you know like you have to be able to express these things and, and actually set some boundaries and tell them, hey, this is how it needs to go and it can't keep going like this and, and things like that. Or otherwise what's going to happen is it's just, you know, bad behaviours continue. And if you think about one of those big limiting thoughts, which is what if they don't give me any more work? You know, if we flip that on its head, it's like, what if they do? Like, and what they if they do? And, and they, they keep don't. not yeah. paying, you know? Like right now you're getting into a cash flow hole because this person's not paying you. And you're worried about, you know, following it up or, you know, doing anything about it because what if they don't give me any more work? But if this continues and they do give you more work, then that cash flow hole gets deeper and deeper and deeper every time. So you've really got to fix this and set a different boundary and and get them to play within that. Uh, Or you kind of have to stop working with them because they'll bring everything down. And even if you get those better clients, this person will ruin your cash flow along the journey of getting those better clients and you might still not be able to make it work. So it's it's actually extremely detrimental. Huge. You're so right about training them because if you're soft at the start, they'll know they can get away with it. But if you're firm at the start and establish good boundaries, that teaches them, uh, yep. which, is, which is a great way to look at it. If you let them not pay you, then effectively what you're doing is you're changing the name of your business from so-and-so plumber, electrician, landscaper, painter, glazer, tiler, whatever it is, to so-and-so bank. Yeah. You're basically becoming their bank. Yeah, that's right. In fact, not a bank because a bank would charge interest. Yeah. And <laughs> the bank would just take all their <laughs> and sell it. Yeah, you're more like the, the you know beleaguered parent who's just giving the money. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They ring up for money and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. from from college and, and you give them some more. So yeah. that, that's effectively what's happening. You're becoming a bank uh, and uh, that's not your business. And not only that, but you are still actually training them. You're just training them in reverse. You're saying, this is okay. It's okay to treat me like this. I'm fine with it. Keep doing it. Please do it again. I'll never complain. You can totally borrow money off me while you pay your other creditors. I'll, I'll be fine with it because I'll come back again and again. That's what you're teaching them every time you make it okay. So, yeah. 
It's important so, you don't. Yeah, and there's I think there's something else with the toughen up in the head game is when you are in a hole with someone and they'll tell you stories and, and make promises and often they'll actually believe that they can do them. You know, the usual is, oh, well, I'm going to get this money next week so when I get that money I can pay you. Mm. There's no guarantee they've got that money mm. uh, and maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. How many other people have they said this to? That's right. Or maybe they're actually fooling themselves that they're going to get this money because they can get off your back. They've pushed you away mm. by an excuse. And, and so the stress levels go down for a few days from them while they try and sort their stuff out. Especially beware when they're doing the old, oh, I was supposed to get paid for this job last week, but you know it hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it'll come in this week. Because if they're getting put off by one of... Uh, one of their debtors, just remember that same thing. It's like the likelihood of getting paid is getting smaller with every passing day. So the likelihood of them getting paid the money is getting smaller. Um, and that's going to compound down to you. It does. <laughs> and so actions speak louder than words in this situation. So, uh, you know, you've got to set, again, really clear boundaries for there because if they make promises and you let them off with it, then that's, that's really uh, not ideal. No, not at all. And I think, you know, this leads us on to, if we're setting these expectations and things, it really leads us, I think, to the solutions being in one of two camps. We're either, you know, establishing that guardrail at the top of the cliff or we're parking up that ambulance at the bottom. Uh, so I think maybe if we start with some of the solutions that are more of the guardrail at the top because... Yeah, well, I, I, I think, I think this, is, this is huge, man. Like, the as we said, the likelihood of getting paid goes down dramatically the further the non-payment goes on. Yeah, and really, that's because they just don't have the money. Yeah, uh, or they've given the money to the squeaky wheel, yep. or they've used the money to fund their next project. Yeah, uh, effective. You're being the bank, mm. uh, and I'll be honest. You know, you send people to debt collection, uh, which you should do if you need to, but you, it's hard to get the money then. Yeah, you know, they they don't collect as much as you'd like. Yeah, uh, so prevention is definitely better than the cure. So the things that we think are, you know, make the most difference that we've seen is that uh, your inquiry process is absolutely massive. Mm. So how you actually field the calls uh, and and set them up in the first instance. Yeah. So you actually, you need a script when people inquire mm. and you ask them the key questions uh, effectively when they're on the phone. So, uh, you know, you find out uh, about the job, et cetera, but then you tell them what your payment terms and conditions are. Yeah. And you get agreement from them. Yeah. Uh, that's massively important. Much like Doug and his apprentice. Uh, we get uh, the agreement up front before we go ahead with anything. 100% right. And so if you think about uh, inquiry process, uh, we teach our guys to have something in it like this. Hey, look, our service fee is $170. Uh, that covers the first 30 minutes. Doesn't include any materials and we require payment on completion. Are you okay with that? Yeah. It's set out up front. Easy. Yeah. They say yes, you get agreement. Tim's trade yep. sign, off we go. We get credit card details yep. over the phone uh, wherever possible as well so we know that we're covered. Yeah. Uh, and the important thing for that is there's some psychology going on there. When you've done the job, immediately when you've done it, they actually love you. Mm. Uh, and so they're quite happy to pay then, but if you leave it till two weeks later or three weeks later, they're not actually in pleasure anymore. They're in pain. Like it's just they've forgotten what you've done for them. So the whole psychology is is kind of weird. So you want to get paid when you do the job. Yeah. Uh, and fixed pricing is great as well. So if you have a fixed price, if you're doing service maintenance work, if you can give them a fixed price, that gives them a lot of certainty. Up front, they can agree to it and do the job. If you don't do that and you send them an invoice that arrives three or four days later, they get a surprise. That puts them in a negative sort of mindset and they're less likely to pay as well. Yeah. So yep. that's important. Terms of trade are really important in contracts. Yeah. So you need, you need those agreed to up front and 
The reason that uh, they're important is uh, they're kind of like a threat or a guardrail or the expectations, and they know if they misbehave, there is you know potentially some consequences. Uh, so that helps as well. Yeah, big time. It's kind of like the umbrella on the rainy day, right? Uh, but I think of it probably a little bit more. The line that comes to mind all the time is the that Sylvester Stallone one. You know, I'd rather have a gun and not need it than need a gun and not have it. I feel like terms of trades like that. A lot of the time, um, you know, I've spoken with people and they say, "Hey, you know, my terms of trade are, you know, they're really good, but you know, every time when I've had to take someone to debt collection or take them to court, it's like, you know, I know I've got this behind me and it's great, but it's just so hard to get the money out of them anyway." And I'm thinking, you're missing the point. It's not actually. It's not actually so much. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be good in court, but it's actually more the deterrent at the other end. Like the the big thing with good terms of trade is that it's something that you can actually bring out early on. It's that guardrail at the top of the cliff, which tells people you're serious, and it lays out some terms and it sets some expectations and it gets agreement to those. And people like to live in integrity, so they want to live up to what they signed and what they said they'd do. And that preframe is just going to help everything go smoother and prevent you ever having to actually use those terms of trade um which is kind of the point so yeah like i said but like an umbrella on a rainy day you know you yep. want to have it it's, it's really important um and just amazes me how a lot of people won't invest you know a couple of thousand dollars uh into the right legal protections and, you know it'll cost a different amount depending on how, how you get them done but i mean it's a pretty small investment for something that could deter non-payment forever you know, um, and don't get me wrong, you'll always have some that slip through and maybe you do have to use it. But for the, for the most part, you know, just having it will actually mean that you don't have to use it, which is the beauty of it. It is, you're right. It does amaze me how business owners uh, balk at paying a few thousand dollars to get terms of trades and contracts sorted out professionally because, yeah. uh, oh, that's too much money. Uh, but it's the best money you've spent when you yeah, need it. That's uh, right. And if it saves you from going down the tubes from a, a big client, then it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's an insurance fee that you need to pay. Mm. Uh, and contracts are huge. You know, for example, particularly if you're working for contractors or uh, or general contractors or builders, construction companies, uh, you need the ability to put yourself in the position as a preferred creditor. Uh, and depending on where you're based, what state or what country, there's different names for this, but effectively you can create a situation where you're a creditor above all the other creditors. You're like a secured creditor and you're going to get paid before everyone else, after the bank and the tax office, but uh, that's important as well because uh, mm. that's that's a great protection. Deposits too. Yeah. You're a big fan? I'm a big fan of deposits, yeah. Definitely a BS detector, right? It's going um, to separate the people that are serious from the people that are not. Um, and I think the big thing with this is, you know, it depends on, on your country you're in and which state you're in and what's, you know, able to be taken. But, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, if someone will pay a deposit, then they're way more likely to pay the rest on completion or within your payment terms. Um, you know, and definitely if you're working with residential clients, like homeowners, things like that, like, trust me, they have all the money before you start the job and they want to pay they want to get that money out of their bank account and into yours because every day that that money lives in in my bank account, I actually don't know whether it's mine because I'm waiting for the invoice from the tradesperson who's worked on, on my house. So I'd rather just pay it and know what I've actually got to work with in my bank account. You know, So if someone says, hey, can you pay a deposit? I'm like, yeah, cool, sweet, because now it's out of the way, it's done. Uh, I've got that money burning a hole in my pocket anyway, so... You know, let's let's get it out. And so the thing is, they want to pay. But on top of that, it's traditionally been quite hard to get deposits out of, you know, say builders or general contractors because it's just not the way it's been done. But actually, post COVID, um, 
you know, that's all changed too, right? I mean, people are willing to pay deposits so that you can lock in materials. People are willing to pay deposits so that, you know, you can make sure that everything's good to go as far as the pricing on those materials because pricing's going to change so much. So actually seeing a lot of success with people getting, uh, you know, some payment up front for, yeah, things like materials and, and using that as a deposit on the job. And again, so much more likely to get paid. So Yeah, they are the ultimate, as you said, ultimate BS detector. Uh, so you should try and get as big a p- deposit as you possibly can, uh, given the the rules and stuff wherever you're based, uh, because it it sorts out the the wheat from the chaff. I've mm. got that in there. Yeah, you love one of my favourite sayings. To say that wheat from the chaff. Yeah, but but again, if you think about it, it's like if somebody doesn't have thirty or fifty percent of the of of the invoice available now. now what makes you think they're going to have the rest of it available in like a week? Like they can't afford they, it. Yeah, if they can't dreaming. afford a deposit now, they can't afford it. You know, once you once you're done with the job, it's just it's just that simple. And it also is a good um, attitude detector as well because sometimes you'll get people. Oh, I'm not going to pay you that much deposit. You might rip me off and blah 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 blah. Yeah, you want to get those people out of your business as well. They're a pain in the backside. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, people who pay a deposit have the money and they're they're willing to to do things the way you want them to be done. Not only that, but if you think about things like you know residential homeowners, it's like honestly, as one, uh, I'm more than willing to pay a deposit because the other thing is then I feel some security. Uh, knowing that you will actually come on the time and day that you said because I already paid you some money, so I feel like I have some leverage. Uh, and that's one of the key concerns for, for a homeowner is, will you actually come? Will you be reliable? Will you do a good job? And if I feel like I've already paid some money, I actually feel like you already owe me, which puts me in a position of more certainty uh, and actually more comfort. It's, it's ironic that like you think it's going to make them uncomfortable, but they, they feel better about it. <laughs> So um so don't hesitate. And on the other hand, look, I know some people will be sitting there saying, oh, but I do, you know, huge project work. I mean, like, that's just not the same thing. And they won't have the money because they make it over to, all right, cool. It won't be deposits. It'll just be payment claims, right? You know, progress payments and things like that. Progress claims are huge. The thing is, often you can structure the claim process in a way that suits you much better because the, the theory is you want to get as much of the project claim done as early as possible so you get the cash. Yeah. And you're not waiting. You know, you don't want to have done... 80% of the project, they only got 20% of the money. Because yeah. if the contractor goes under, you are right royally screwed. Yeah. Well, you want to be in the position where you're at uh, 60% of the work done, you've got 70% of the payment claim. Yeah. Now, I, I know some people say, well, you know, that's got to line up. But there's always some room to move this around. And, and if Definitely. you're listening in the, and you work in this area, you'll understand this. Yeah. Uh, so you want to make sure you get the payment claim as far as advanced as possible of where you're at so that you've got as much money as possible. And if then the client does, you know, can't pay or the thing falls to bits, you're only in the hole for a small part, not the whole part. Yeah. And the small part's not going to sink you. The whole part, really, really hard to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so you want to try and front load those payment claims uh, as much as possible. And it goes into the whole area of contractors, which is different. So the big problem for, uh, you know, for, for the businesses that we help working in this area is they feel a lack of power. Yeah. They feel like this big, angry contractor and they really have no ability to uh, make any of the terms. Mm. And perhaps sometimes that's difficult and so you have to ask yourself the question, is that a good person to work for? Mm. But you can still send your terms of trade uh, and there's a process around whether your terms of trade will top theirs, but and that depends yeah. on your jurisdiction. If you send it to them and that's the last one, often it is. Mm. Uh, so that's important. But you can interview the contractor. You've got to think about it. You're, you're interviewing them. And I don't mean you sit them down face to face, but you're actually, <laughs> you're actually interviewing them. Maybe you're doing credit checks. 
Uh, you're asking around other contractors, how do they pay? Uh, and you've got to be very careful when a contractor comes to you and you're like, hallelujah, new client, big client. But sometimes they come to you because they've exhausted their credit with everyone else's bank. Yeah. And so you've got to be really savvy about that and don't just take it and think like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, do some research, check them out, see where they're at. And if you get an inkling, then uh, you've you got to be really careful about that. And there's often uh, uh, providers of financial information who can actually tell you where their credit score is at and whether it's falling and whether there's been um, you know things lodged against them from a credit perspective. Mm. So you need to do your homework on this, and that's prevention uh, rather than cure. Yeah. Uh, so be smart. Yeah. And don't overextend yourself with... Uh, all your projects at once, you know, maybe do a, a project and see how that goes rather than opening yourself up to all the risk. But do your homework at the start uh, and get the legal sorted out and don't just like lie over and let them, you know, roll over and scratch your, your tummy like a dog might do, which is sometimes <laughs> what happens because you feel like you're in that weak position. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, I mean, a bunch of stuff we can do at the top of that cliff there for guardrails. Yep. Should we talk about uh, the ambulance at the bottom? Yeah, so there are some times when uh, you've got to follow up, and that's fine. So what happens for most business owners is they'll send the invoice, and then, you know, let's be honest, it's it's kind of a hope strategy. Yeah. It's like, well, they'll pay. I've put, you know, I've put the time they need to pay, and they'll, they'll pay, and, and I'll wait for the payment to hit my account. Mm. I reckon that's a mistake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot you can do to make sure it's going to hit your account. That's right. right. So the process is important. So, uh, and we sketch this out. There's a flow chart that we teach our members here, uh, and it involves a number of steps. And the first one would be, you know, make sure that they've received the invoice. The thing is, is even if they receive it, if there's any reason they're not going to pay it, the first excuse they'll come out with is, oh, I didn't get it, or, oh, it must be lost in my emails. Oh, I missed that. You know, where is it? Oh, could you resend it? That's the stuff they'll pull out first. So it's, it's kind of like with sales objections. It's like you're walking them down a corridor with a million doors on the side and you've got to firmly shut each one to get them to the end. Uh, and this is one of those doors you've got to shut is just make sure that they're not able to slip out the door of I didn't get your email or I didn't see it come through. So check and, they got uh, it. Can you remember what the next one is? It's the old, uh, well, um, I've got a question or a problem with the invoice. <laughs> So you want to head that one off as well. Yeah, 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 head that off too. So again, I mean, you can just ask right off the bat, like, did you receive it? Cool, well, hey, look, was there anything that stood out? Did you have any questions or or things you want to discuss? I mean, that you can get answers to this stuff straight away. Plus, like, my favourite thing with, with the process that we teach is actually that the first call you make um, in your actual collections process is the day before the invoice is due. Mm. So it's not just checking that they got it. It's, uh, it's you know, then the day before it's due, it's just, hey, just a friendly reminder, um, invoice is due to be paid tomorrow, so just making sure that there's not going to be any issues. And if, you know, yeah. Any have you got the invoice? Yeah. Do you have any questions? Yeah, so super easy. I look forward to getting payment tomorrow. Appreciate you. And honestly, like, at that point, they can't really pull any, any fast ones on you as far as I didn't get it or I had questions or anything like that because they had their opportunity, you know. Um, and that's before it's even due. So that, yeah, so absolutely critical that the call is made before it's due. And look, I know if you're doing lots of service work and you've got 500 invoices you send a month, you're not going to call 500 people. No. That you use the other strategies for that. Yep. But this is, you know, you've got reasonable size uh, invoices. Maybe there are a few thousand, several thousand dollars. So you're not going to have 500 to call. No. You might have 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever it is. Uh, but if you call them beforehand, that dramatically increases the chance they'll pay. Because if they've got limited funds, 
they're going to pay you first. Yeah, because again, people want to live in integrity, right? And they don't want to seem like liars and they don't want to go against what they said they would do. Uh, and again, if you do have 500 plus invoices per month, I'm like, that's cool. You don't have to call them all, but I'm sure some of them are bigger than others. Like maybe mm. you do call the bigger ones. Yep. Um, again, just it's a bit of an insurance policy for you. It'll definitely help you get paid. Yep. So the next thing is uh, if they don't pay on the due day, when do you follow up? Well, straight away. Yeah. And this is critical. Don't let it sit. Do not let it sit because if you let it sit for a week, they know that they can push you around. Well, if you've you, just taught them that it's okay. Yeah, that's okay to not pay. Yeah. So you've got to get on the blower the day after and say, hey, I noticed the invoice hasn't been paid. Uh, what's going on? Yeah. Pretty much is what the call is. Yeah. Uh, and then you get, you know, further agreement to get paid and then you follow them up exactly when that next agreement is made. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is huge. So I think the key thing here that we've found, Phil, is that um, you know some people do emails and text reminders, yeah, which are all good, but really what counts is the phone call. Oh, right? I've got to be honest as well as like a lot of people will say, oh yeah, but I do email reminders, and I'm like, cool, like how, what are they saying? They're like, oh no, I don't know. It's like the automatic ones that my accounting software sends. I'm like, oh okay, you don't do email reminders then. And by the way, if they're automated emails, like half those aren't even hitting the inbox of the person that they're going to. They'll be going to junk at best. Because um, they're automated. The person's email provider knows they're automated and junks the email. Like, There's actually a very good chance that they're not even being seen, let well, alone having an a impact. A third of emails get read. That's it. So I think the thing is, is like if you the fastest way between any two people is a telephone. Um, and so, you know, plus it's really telling. People, you can hear the tone of voice. Um, you know you actually got them. If I send you an email or a text, it's like, I don't know if you read it. I don't know if you saw it. I mean, even if you have the old, I can see that they read it. It's like, I don't know who read it. Uh, and I don't know how well they read it. I don't know if they read it you know, start to finish. I don't know what they're doing about it or how they feel about it. Call the person, all right? It's really, really important. Well, this is accountability is best. This is an accountability, right? It's yeah. holding your client accountable to the commitments they've made to pay you for the services that you've provided that you yep. deserve to be paid for. Yeah. Uh, and so accountability is best done effectively face-to-face, and the phone is the easiest way to do that. I That's mean, you right. can visit them as well, and sometimes you need to, maybe well, further down the track. look, I, I want to come to that. So the big thing is like, you know, look, if we're doing all of our follow-ups, and I think we won't go into every step of our accounts receivable process today, but at the end of the day is like, you, you know, it is a contact sport. You do need to get involved and actually call people, and, you know, we have scripts and processes that we follow here. Um, you know, but after we've done a couple of these and we've set some dates and we've followed up and they still haven't paid, well, then at that point, you know, you do have to follow through on your collections process and send them to collections. And depending on jurisdictions and what the law is and everything, you might have to send a seven-day letter beforehand just to, you know, warn them, hey, this is about to happen formally. Uh, and then, you know, don't hesitate. When it's time to send them to collections, send them to collections. But be aware collections agencies cannot go and physically take the money off your client. So all that they're going to do is, you know, begin their harassment process, uh, which won't be as powerful as yours because they don't really care as much as you do about getting your money. Uh, and then the other thing is they might be able to, you know, put bad credit on on that client. But, you know, a lot of people might not care. Um, there is a strategy you can do, which uh, it can be quite powerful. Um, and it's absolutely nothing that's about, you know, intimidation. I'm not going to tell you to send, uh, send the mob around. It's to the boys around with the baseball bats. Don't do that. Um, but what you can do is that you can show up at their office. Don't do it, obviously, at their house. That's extremely intimidating. Don't do that. But if you showed up at their office in front of all their staff and just quite openly but very innocently 
were asking, hey, I'm looking for Tony. Like, I've just, you know, it's been a while. Like, he said he was going to pay our bill on this date. And, you know, we've made a couple of dates and it still hasn't been paid. And I'm, I'm just curious. Like, he's not returning my calls. And next step was carrier pigeon. So I just thought I'd pop in while I was in the area. Um, very innocent pop in. Very embarrassing. Uh, and so that embarrassment can actually, you know, go a long way as well. And again, like I said, it's not about being intimidating. It's just about if your phone calls aren't getting through and your emails aren't getting through, you can just show up. And if people see you show up, that can actually have a big effect. That is a very squeaky wheel, which is yes. which is awesome. I think the thing that you've alluded to here, Phil, and this is important, uh, and there'll be a few steps in your process. You know, you have the first call, the second call, the third call, uh, and then you send the, the letter, uh, and then you send the collections you have to enforce that process. You have to look at it as a process and you have to enforce it without too much emotion. Yeah. And I don't mean you're being horrible or, or rude about it. It's just like that's our process. Yeah. Uh, and I apologise, but that's what we've got to do just to get paid. And the cool thing is uh, a lot of the people who aren't paying you, they'll see that and they won't like it, but they'll be like, hmm, I wonder why I'm not getting paid because I have no process. Yeah. Maybe yeah. this is what I need to do. To yeah. actually get on top of things. So you can actually help train them to do a better job so they can actually pay you as well. That's right. You know, and like I think the thing is sometimes they will ask, you know, especially if they're struggling getting paid with their bills, as you said. I mean, like they might say, Hey, I'm actually I'm waiting on this payment. And you say, Well, what have you done? Have you followed them up? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And they might say, Oh, I actually haven't. Yeah. So so the thing here to sort of you know, to to wrap it, I guess, is that um getting paid is is critical. And if you're not, it's hard. Uh, you want to make sure that you've got the guardrails up so that people will pay on time at the start because if they do that, it's easy. There's no stress and hassle, none of this mucking around of this this sort of uh, heartache that you've got to go through. Uh, but if they aren't paying or once you've seen the invoice, you have to have good process and you have to enforce the process. And here's something we've found, and this is a juicy little tidbit for everyone listening. Most of the time it's better to get one of your team to run this process than for you to do it. Mm. Because you are emotionally involved and that clouds your decision. Uh, if your team do it, they just implement the process and we find it works way more effectively. Yeah. There's no emotion in it. Plus it's easier. Yeah, well, you don't have all the yeah. all the mind being going on. That's right. That's right. All right, let's land this plane. All righty. Not getting paid messes with your head and your business's ability to actually pay its bills. But by being proactive and organised, you can dramatically reduce the amount of overdue invoices, which leaves you the time and the money to focus on growing and improving your business. Thanks, Eats, for listening. We'll catch you all again next time. Bye. Next week on the Profitable Tradie Podcast, I interview Lucian and Corey Stacey from Left Coast Scales, who are members of the Million Dollar Tradie Program and have built a successful business and are based in California, and they've recently shifted to Arizona. Now, during their time with us, they've improved their profitability, they've built structure in their business, they've developed a strong culture with their team and created a formidable partnership both as husband and wife and as business partners. Tune in as Lucian and Corey talk us through their exciting journey. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trady, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group and we'll see you in the next episode of the Profitable Trady Podcast.